Welcome to North Liberty Library's Love, Light, and Lit, the podcast, a series of universal talks gently guided by open hearts and open minds. Listen to ignite the light in you and to appreciate the light in others. Hello, I'm Kelly with North Liberty Library, and I thank you for joining us today on Love, Light, and Lit, the podcast. You can also catch Love, Light, and Lit on Facebook Live every Monday at 12 noon central. Be sure to follow North Liberty Library on Facebook to get notifications. There are many methods people use to manage their mental health. Most notable of them is therapy. While the traditional patient-on-couch format works well for some of us, many people seeking help find that type of engagement isn't a fit for them. Some of us may seek a therapeutic program rooted in the creativity that shines within all of us. Narrative therapy is one of those methods, using elements of storytelling and collaborative conversations as an approach to counseling and community work, and another is therapeutic tabletop role-playing games. Today's guest joins us to talk more about these creative methods of mental health counseling and how their studies led to a fascination with the methodologies. Patrick Casey is a third-year master's student counselor currently in practicum. A writer and storyteller since childhood, Patrick loves exploring the roles that stories take in our lives, both on a personal and cultural level, and brings that viewpoint into their work with the human mind. Today, Patrick is going to share their interests in narrative therapy and therapeutic tabletop and how these practices can be beneficial for the mind and the creative soul. Welcome, Patrick. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. It's so good to have you on. So tell us more about narrative therapy, what it is, and how you first became acquainted with the practice. Well, narrative therapy was created by Australian practitioners Michael White and David Epstein in the 80s. And from there, it's pretty much caught on worldwide. Narrative therapy is what's called a client-centered and constructivist strength-based approach to therapy. It assumes the client is the expert in their own life, that the client constructs meaning out of their life events, and that the client has abilities that they've developed that can see them move farther along on their journey. The therapist in narrative, rather than being a guide or a teacher, takes the role of a companion on that journey. So a collaborator in the work of understanding and making changes to somebody's life story. Alice Morgan wrote a textbook called What is Narrative Therapy? Answering that very question that you just asked. Mm -hmm. And she writes that narrative therapy views problems as separate from people and assumes that people have many skills competencies, beliefs, values, commitments, and abilities that will assist them to reduce the influence of problems in their lives. What this means is that for the narrative therapist, the first step in working with a client is to help them see that the client is not a problem, but instead a person who has a problem. There have been some studies on narrative therapy and frequently show that that works really well for historically minoritized communities worldwide. People who are frequently told that they, as people, are an issue needing solving. Admittedly, that was an early draw for me in my classwork as a counselor. I'm a creative person. Also, I'm queer. 
I'm non-binary and I'm neurodivergent. I'm one of those people who grew up being told that I'm weird, lazy, oversensitive, disorganized, and grew up internalizing that whatever normal people were, I clearly wasn't that. So while there are many forms of therapy that help separate person from problem, one that using storytelling as a medium was really interesting to me. I'm really excited to have the chance to start using elements of it alongside other therapeutic philosophies and methods that interest me. I like what you had to say about how narrative therapy can be impactful specifically for marginalized communities. And that goes beyond race and gender, age, lots of different demographics and factors. Reframing that story, do you find that other forms of therapy have to come into play either before or after or in simultaneous fashion with narrative therapy to kind of first reframe that conversation? Because I know that in therapy, it's hard to let go of those stories. It's hard to let go of the stories that you've been told about yourself all your life. And as someone who's in therapy, you know, it's really hard to let go of some of those stories. What about narrative therapy helps folks let those stories go while they're in session? That is a good question. I will say as a caveat that in my program, we are encouraged not to stick to a single form of therapy. I'm at Adler University in Chicago. So the primary form of therapy that's taught is Adlerian psychology, individual psychology. But we are taught not to stick to a single form because people are different and have different needs. So yes, it is fairly normal for a therapist to switch between different elements of different types of therapy in order to get to a conversation that allows people to get to what they need to get out of different styles of therapy. So Mm -hmm. narrative is very, the term used is Mm non-directive. As I mentioned before, the therapist takes the role of a companion rather than a guide. Mm -hmm. So that can be somewhat confusing for people who are expecting to walk into an office and have somebody tell them what they need to do to get better. A narrative therapist could, yeah, use cognitive behavioral therapy and start the conversation with, you know, what are the thoughts and behaviors that you do that link into how you're feeling about yourself and then go to, all right, so where did those thoughts come from? What's the underlying theme? And from there, move into narrative. Right. So other methods can be a bridge to narrative therapy. Absolutely. And that's something that modern counselors are often encouraged to do. I see. And I can definitely see the correlation there. Another thing that you mentioned was the creative aspect of Mm -hmm. narrative therapy. Now, for the audience's knowledge, you and I met as writers, and it continues to be a passion for us both. And it's also what drew me to your suggestion for this episode's topic. Now, how is the intersection between storytelling and therapy most beneficial to those in treatment? Let's first talk about Well, you and I are both writers, so we're pretty familiar with the language of writing. Mm -hmm. So for the sake of those who are maybe only familiar with stories through books or what actually is a story, it's distinct events that are linked in sequence across time and according to a plot. So under that definition, 
and remembering that for narrative therapy, it's assumed that a client builds meaning out of their life events as part of living. Anyone coming to therapy, and you mentioned this yourself, is coming in with the stories of their life. Places they've been and environments they've lived through are the setting. They're the main character of the story. The people that they're connected with, for better or for worse, are their supporting characters. And the events of their life form the plot arc that brings them to who they are today and predicts who they'll be in the future. So it's important to keep in mind, like I mentioned, that every therapist, even every narrative-focused therapist, is going to be different. In my case, I've been writing since I was in like sixth grade. So my already existent passion for storytelling and me being a total nerd about mythology and sociology and all those related ologies tells me that humans in general use stories to explain themselves to themselves and their world to themselves and each other from cultural legends, folklore, heroes, family stories about their ancestors, personal stories of achievement and failure. My viewpoint as a counselor and as a person is that humans are made for stories. Humans are made for stories. I love that. It is a defining thing about us. So for me, stories are a way to pull out not only the who, the what, the where, the when, and the how, the fact. Mm -hmm. of somebody's reason for therapy, but also the client's why. Why did this happen? Why is it important to me? Why shouldn't it be important to me? Why is it a part of my life story? So when a person knows that, they can start doing what a narrative therapist calls restorying, which is you and I are both writers. For us, that's revising. That's the editing phase. It takes that story that they've built around the events of their life and they start changing it. That doesn't mean ignoring the facts or changing their memories of the facts. An example can be a story theme of I'm a bad person because whenever I get close to someone, they hurt me. That's a pretty intense theme, but it's one that can come up with a lot of people. It's actually fairly normal. It goes back to what you were saying about reframing the story so that you're not centering yourself as the problem, Mm -hmm. but looking at the problem from a different context. Exactly. So by separating you from your problem, that story can change to, I've been hurt by people I've been close to. That is a thing that happened. Different reasons for each hurt, different contexts for each hurt. But that doesn't change who I am as a person. It doesn't make me bad. And I didn't deserve that treatment. And it doesn't guarantee that I'll be hurt so badly in the future. So that's a longer statement, but it's more truthful. And it can be hard to get to that point. This is not an easy process. Therapy in general is not an easy process. You you said yourself. (laughs) So that isn't invalidating the events. That person in this example did get hurt multiple times by people who were close to them, but it does revise the meaning of those events, what they built around those events and separated them from the problem of getting hurt all the time. And then I know that when you were making connections between storytelling and the therapy, it even goes into like starting a new chapter. 
Absolutely. So somebody who wants to change the arc of their plot, especially folks with anxiety, I like to call it a disorder of future perception because at least I have an anxiety disorder. And I know with me, my brain likes to, you know, once the hamster wheel starts going, I go into what if this, what if that, what if the Mm -hmm. next thing? I like to call that future tripping. Gabby Bernstein, who is one of my favorite spiritual leaders, she calls that future tripping. And that's something I always say I have a PhD in because (laughs) I'm always like trying to look at big picture and some things you can't big picture because the anxiety kicks in. Yes. Exactly. You start thinking, well, because this happened, this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. You you can't say what's going to happen because you can't actually see the future. Right. Anxiety has a role in most people's lives. It's part of a fear-based emotion of needing to prepare for things that may occur. That's not a problem. But when you get to the point where you're constantly thinking ahead to what's going to happen, what might happen, what will happen. That hamster wheel, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When the squirrels start running, then you start needing (laughs) to calm down. And that's when it can become a disorder, something that causes distress and functional impairment in your life. Mm -hmm. Looping back. So starting a new chapter in their life or somebody who's experienced a recent change and, you know, the chapter started without them, or even somebody who's metaphorically written themselves into a corner and they don't know where to take themselves next. A narrative therapist helps people explore the meanings they've built around themselves. Then they can revise those meanings to open up new paths to take forward. I haven't had the chance much to use narrative therapy in my practicum. I am very new to field work. But in my own life, I've been able to begin a process of unraveling the stories behind how I respond to different situations, behind what matters to me, and start to revise those elements to build, you know, the Patrick I want to be. Yeah. And I think that as you continue with therapy, you really do get to unravel those stories. And it's such an empowering feeling to unravel those false narratives about yourself. So let's switch gears a bit and talk about something you've recently become acquainted with and we mentioned at the top, therapeutic tabletop gaming. Okay, this is very intriguing. Please describe what that is and how it's beneficial for mental health care. Speaking of character building, like I mentioned. <laughs> Another writer's dilemma or joyful moment we know as writers. Yes. Yeah. Character building. So I mentioned I am a complete and utter nerd, as you well know. <laughs> and a lot of my reading and personal storytelling, personal writing revolves around science fiction and fantasy. So when I learned shortly after starting my practicum in May that therapeutic tabletop existed, I was pretty excited. Mm -hmm. So for those unfamiliar with the style of game that we're talking about, role-playing games involve building and using a character to perform actions in a story-based game. So you are playing the role of the character in the game, thus the name. So this can allow people to create characters that they can think of as an idealized hero or as the Mr. Hyde to their Dr. Jekyll or anything in between. But in any case, it serves as a form of self-expression and, for many, self-exploration. So role-playing games can occur on the tabletop or in video game forms and in solo or multiplayer forms. 
Listeners may be familiar with games like Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder or Reclaim the Wild, or there are many games under the Powered by the Apocalypse system. So those are all forms of tabletop role-playing games, Mm -hmm. or TTRPG for short. Therapeutic tabletop uses the medium of those kinds of games for a group therapy. So you can think of it like play therapy for teens and adults. There are some forms of tabletop games for kids. I'm not super familiar with them, but I know that could potentially be another possibility. The idea is being under the eye of two trained counselors, specifically trained for this kind of therapy. You're in a low stakes environment for yourself, Mm -hmm. but your characters are put through high stakes situations, anywhere from where you have to be very diplomatic to you have to be quick thinking. And it allows you to practice coping, distress tolerance, problem solving. You are working with other players, so cooperative planning and perspective taking, which is one of the elements of empathy, among other skills. So tabletop gaming is cooperative, interactive storytelling at its best. So I love the idea of using therapeutic tabletop to explore who you want to be or don't want to be and practice skills that you can use in reality. I really like that because it kind of reminds me, you know, again, as we continue to talk about alternative methodologies for mental health care, it really reminds me of, as you know, I have a teen and a tween and getting them to take their studies seriously can be a challenge sometimes like it is with most kids. So what they do at school is that they have as an alternative method for learning They have interactive games that implore elements of whatever lessons that they're learning. And I kind of see the parallel in this with therapeutic tabletop gaming. And I love that it talks about coping skills. I think Mm -hmm. one thing that we've especially learned over these past two and a half years is that it is so essential to sharpen our coping skills that we're able to do that. So I love that therapeutic gaming gives yet another alternative to learning that very essential skill. Now, as you mentioned, you are currently studying for your master's in the counseling field. How do you envision using these forms of therapy in your post-grad work? Yes, I'm in my third year, which is primarily me being out in the field. So I'm hoping to meld my favorite philosophies. So like I said, I'm studying at an Adlerian university and Adlerian is individual psychology. It's holistic, it's goal-directed, it's future-oriented, you know, focusing on who a person is going to be versus what they've been through and focuses on building interpersonal and community connections. It's called individual because he branched off from Freud. They had their conflicts Mm -hmm. and he felt that a person could not be divided. So that's why the word that he used in German is translated to individual, cannot be divided. Mm -hmm. So it encourages people to strive for the best versions of themselves that they can be. Internal family systems on the surface might seem to be completely opposite to that. It's a form of therapy that helps people identify different parts of themselves, different identity roles that they've built within themselves to create an internal quote unquote family that works to solve different problems and process different life events that happen to them. 
And we've just talked about narrative. And then I'm also fond of DBT, which is dialectical behavior therapy. It helps people cope with tough situations by teaching mindfulness, emotional regulation, interpersonal effectiveness, and distress tolerance. So I'm learning more about all of them over time. And I hope to make use of elements of any and all of them in response to individual folks' needs. Like I mentioned, people are different. So you have to approach each person with what they need, not, you know, what your favorites are. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. For therapeutic gaming, I've tracked down a couple of organizations that teach the methodology and provide certification. One of them is Game to Grow. The other is Geek Therapeutics. Right now, Geek Therapeutics is approved for providing continuing education to mental health counselors like I'll be. So I'm hoping to start work with them as soon as I'm licensed. It's a developing form of group therapy work. I'm pretty excited about it. I can definitely tell from our talk that you're very passionate about these alternative methods to mental health care and how they work with other more traditional methodologies. And so I am confident that you will go far in this field because you are just so passionate about this, not only as a counselor, but from a personal perspective, you're very candid and sharing and being very transparent about your mental health experiences. Mm -hmm. And I think that can only fuel what you'll do for your future clients. So Patrick, thank you for joining us today. Again, I'm confident that our audience gained some good information here. Where can they learn more about you your work, and resources on what we've talked about today? Well, you can find me on LinkedIn. I will say that I am not allowed ethically to connect with people who might become my clients Mm -hmm. on social media for their safety and my own, but I am on LinkedIn. And there are links to information about narrative therapy and the two therapeutic gaming organizations I mentioned, both in the show notes. Absolutely. Sounds good. So yes, audience members, please check the show notes for links and resources for more information about narrative therapy and therapeutic tabletop. This is Kelly, and this has been Love Light Lit, the podcast presented by the North Liberty Library. Today, we talked with Patrick Casey about using storytelling for mental health and how it could benefit you. Also, please visit our website at northlibertylibrary.org for additional programming and services. Thanks for listening. Thanks kindly. Farewell.